Hi, my name is Lynn, and I'm the creator of the blog, Living Large in a Small House. I'm passionate about decorating, entertaining, cooking, gardening, and organizing. Basically, everything that makes a house a home. I'm married to the handiest man in the whole world, and I call him handy on my blog. I'm also mom to three grown children, Kenny who lives in LA, Annie who lives with her husband Tommy in Dallas, and our youngest Emma who lives in the city of Chicago. She's about 40 miles from our suburban home. So thanks for listening and tagging along as we live large in our small house. Welcome back to another episode of Living Large Podcast. Today I'm chatting with my friend Diane from South House Designs. Hi, Diane. Hi, Lynn. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Can you share a little bit about yourself and where you live with everyone? Well, I am first and foremost a wife and mother of uh, three, now four grown children. Um, I say four because our daughter got married and I refer to him as my new son um, versus son-in-law. That just sounds too legalese for me. Um, And we live Currently, we live in the north side of Kansas City on a wonderful little residential lake that Kansas City forgot all about, and we hope that it stays that way. Um, I spent the last almost 20 years in a little rural town in northwest Missouri um, that was a little college town. We went there for my husband to teach, and uh, we're back in the city now and very happy to be here. (laughs) Well, and you and I met virtually. That's how we know each other mm-hmm. initially um, through our Thistlewood Mastermind group. But we also went to Haven together. But I don't feel like you and I really got to know each other until after Haven. That was after Haven, and we started our own little group, our little support group. Yeah, right. right. Um, and so we're obviously both bloggers. How did? And I know you're you're blog was really a website to start with. Um, How did it evolve into a blog and why did you decide to do that? Well, actually South House Designs started a little over 34 years ago, almost 35 years ago now. And it was initially um, a company that I started to design home decor accessories and ended up manufacturing them also. Most of the most of the time I would manufacture them or I would oversee the manufacturing of them. And that was a wholesale business. I was in five showrooms around the country and I don't know how many stores. And then the mail order um, catalogs found me and then large retailers found me and I started um, designing specifically for them um, specific products. And in the 1990s, I knew the future was the internet. It wasn't even called the internet then. It was um, the World Wide Web back then. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, I knew that that was the future. And I knew I wanted to have a piece of that because before I started this company, I was with Burroughs that bought Sperry and became Unisys. And so I was involved in the, but that was with mainframes. Um, this was before laptops even existed. And right. so I used to design networks and sell to um, the DOD mainly um, and small city governments and hospitals and education, th- that sort of thing. So I knew that 
this was the future. And I got on board with my first website back in, I think it was 1997-ish. Wow. So the company has been around 34 years. Um, I've had an online presence um, for about 25 years and actually um, blogging off and on pretty sporadically over the last, yeah, probably about 15 years. Social media, not, not nearly so long. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the social media piece. And now I, I didn't know about how big you were and what you were doing until I read recently on your blog, your about page. Uh -huh. um, pretty impressive, I have to say. <laughs> and some of the, and I was even thinking, knowing your style a little bit, some of the catalogs that I used to get I'm wondering if I was ever looking at pieces and they were yours, probably, I would, I would Possibly. think. Um, Horch, Horchow, and there was one, my favorite catalog, it didn't last all that long. It was called Sugar Hill. And um, it, was, it was a gorgeous, oversized catalog, it was beautiful. Um, because Victorian Papers is out of Kansas City, I did just about everything that was a sewn textile product for Victorian Papers. Um, a number of places like that, yes. Well, and Horchow was the one I was very familiar with, and I loved their stuff, and I often bought things from Horchow. So, um, yeah, I, it just kind of made me smile, thinking <laughs> I could looked at your stuff. I could own something that was uh, South <laughs> was at one time, yes. Yeah. So now you're, you've kind of niched down to Christmas stockings. Can you talk a little bit about that and why you switched to... I have always done Christmas stockings and tree skirts as part of it. And um, a good friend of mine, Mary Carroll, well, actually it's about relationships. Mary Carroll owned a little store that was called Gourmet Corner in little tiny Atchison, Kansas. I met her when I was making a sales call on the government up there. And, <laughs> and I jumped into this cute little Just store. Just popped in there. Just popped in there. And, um, Mary Carol and I um, became, I, I started out as a customer of hers. And then within a couple of years, she actually introduced me to the idea of my making a product for her. And she took me to market with her in Dallas for the first time. And that's when the idea of South House Designs really cemented in my head. And with her encouragement, um, I made my first product, um, I took a couple of days of vacation from Unisys and made up the prototypes. I went actually at, at lunchtime, I went and bought two commercial sewing machines on my lunch hour one day and had them delivered to our house. Um, I think I told my husband like the next day or two. <laughs> <laughs> and then I took a couple of days of vacation and I worked on the prototypes and Mary Carroll at Nell Hills bought my first um, ones and then as so many of these things happen, a woman who knew about Mary Carroll's store because it was very, very popular, drove down from Omaha, that's about a two and a half hour drive with her mother to spend the day girl shopping and then back to Omaha. And she actually was living in Denver now and owned a showroom. And she convinced Mary Carroll to give her my name and phone number. And she called and asked for the exclusive rights for eight states to sell my products through her showroom. And that's how the whole thing really got rolling. 
Um, since then, Mary Carol and I have been very, very good friends. And when I lived in my little rural town of Maryville, I needed to put something new out there. I needed to try a new avenue. Um, and she had asked me to make her some stockings one year. And sitting down on a cocktail napkin, she kind of sketched out what she liked. And um, it wasn't realistic when I drew, when I actually stitched up what she had in her head, it looked like a gravy boat. <laughs> so I, I made a couple of suggestions and brought her, you know, my interpretation of what she wanted and she loved it. And she was selling them in the store. So I called and said, do you mind if I sell that same design on Etsy, if I try and sell it online? And she's like, go for it, girl. So, you know, that was 12 years later, those same stockings have been featured three different times in three different Better Homes and Gardens magazine oh, wow. uh, over that. the years. The, the last time the editor who I had worked with twice before had called me and hired me to make, to make ones for the cover. And of course I changed them up in each version um, a little bit. And so they were the cover, I think that was 2014 maybe. 2019. I don't remember which year that was now. Very cool. I didn't know that. You should be, you should have a feature better homes and gardens on the bottom of your blog. (laughs) Well, it's buried someplace in the bog. It's under the press tab that nobody goes to, I think. So is your website slash blog and Etsy the only place that people can get your stockings now? Um, right now. Correct. They were in Wayfair one year, and I may be doing another one this year. I, I'm not ready to say for sure if I'm going to have this other outlet or not. I'm, I'm still deciding on that. Well, and it, you don't just sell stockings. You have a, a small, um, but a variety of items that you sell. One of the most popular ones a number of years ago were the party banners, mm-hmm. and they once upon a time, Country Living Magazine had a pitch your product competition. And um, I was featured that last year. Um, so I pitched my product and they flew, or 300 of us were finalists and went to the Country Living Fair in outside Atlanta. And um, mine was chosen from that. So that was a number of years ago. And I made those for a number of years, as well as wine bottle bags and party bags and all of that. And, and think, table runners. The ta- oh, the table runners are, are still a pretty good item for me. The only problem is I'm running out of that linen and that source has dried up. Oh. And I thought I was going to have that linen for the next 15 years. I need and to get my order in because I, I can't get any more of that linen and I don't know how I'm gonna handle tree skirts this year because I had replaced the burlap with the linen for tree skirts and I don't have nearly enough. I, if you're listening and you want one of my tree skirts, you better grab it fast because I maybe I'm going to only be able to do 20 tree skirts this year instead of 200. So. Well, and that was I, my thought I would have you closer to Christmas, but re- the reality is now's the time we need to be shopping for our Christmas. It's, time. it's out in Hobby Lobby. So I guess they're the benchmark. For- <laughs> That's but- right. The people who have my stockings, my Christmas stockings, one of, and I, I was not smart enough to predict this ahead of time, but it makes sense. People started coming back to me 
even the very my second year of making the Christmas stockings and having them out on Etsy and needing to buy an additional stocking to match their group uh-huh. as their families grow through through marriage or through yeah. birth or whatever. And um, it's like, oh, well, those stockings take like three times longer to produce because those leftover scraps of fabric are up in tubs, up a ladder that I have to climb up and pull down. And then I have to look at what they already have. And if they already have three solid feet that are dark in color and two that are light in color, the, this new one should be a light colored stuff. I, I blend them into their match to match their group to make it all very balanced. And that takes a lot of time. So I charge an extra $15 surcharge for those. But during the off season, which for me ends August 15th, I waive that, that um, upcharge. So that it, trying to encourage them to order their add-on stockings ahead of time, ahead of the season. Um, so my season really starts August 15th. I am making all the stockings for this year right now. They'll be all photographed in August and I shoot for a September 1st um, debut date for the new collection. And there have been years that I have been sold out before November 1st. Um, definitely years that I'm sold out before Thanksgiving. It just kind of depends. I noticed that because I went on your site looking at your stockings and there were some groupings that were already, you had marked as sold out. So I will include in the show notes exactly where people can find you. And so they need to, and, and that September 1st date, mark their calendars. Calendar, uh-huh. Or follow me on Instagram or subscribe to the website. And that way they'll be the first ones to know. Right. And I'm hoping that I have collected some really, really special fabrics that are very limited quantities. I did this once before where I had uh, a special premium group that charged a little bit more for, um, and I put them out there. But some of them, I only have three of that stocking, you know, instead of I try and always have at least 20 of a stocking. And some with these very limited quantities of really beautiful fabrics, I might only get two or three stockings out of them. So I've got some premium stockings coming out. And if you're a subscriber or a follower, then you'll know about them ahead of time because that group, it was called the Big Ben group. It was inspired by the the Big Ben Tower and a picture I had taken when we were visiting. And it, it... some of those stockings sold out in three hours. Wow. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I would encourage people to, to follow and be on um, Diane's socials right away. And again, I will include all that in the show notes. But there's another piece to this that I didn't really know about until you shared it with me. And that's the charitable side of what you're doing with your stockings. Can you tell us about that? I love being able to give back. And I love that Warby Parker does this with their glasses. I love that um, Tom says it with their shoes. I, I love that concept. So I did not invent it. Obviously, I'm just following the example of what I think are some really great companies. And for every stocking I sell, $2.50 goes to Harvesters, which is our regional Um, food pantry that's part of the Feed America um, network. I have a wonderful partner, Jane of Southern Calligraphy, who makes all of the name tags that I show on my stockings. 
obviously you can make your own name tags or you can get other name tags. But I think Jane's name tags are absolutely stunning. And she sends me all of those in August. I have no idea what they're gonna look like. I sent her little, honestly, box full of the little scraps of fabric stapled onto pieces of paper. And she has these little scraps to go from and she comes up with the most fabulous tags. And I photograph them all together and then she uses the photos too. And it's just delightful working with her. And she donates 50 cents for every name tag to the Harvesters program. And we call it Stocking the Pantry. And I am actively looking for any other partners who would be interested who maybe sell um, little items that would be stocking stuffers. And if they would be willing to donate something to help feed the, our hungry neighbors, especially this year. It is so needed this year. Um, yeah, definitely with the, with the inflation the way it is and people still out of work from COVID, it's just like uh, our, our country has been hit really hard and um, people don't can't find places to live. It's incredible. And, and the donations that the pantries receive, they have more people in need, but they also can't get as much food with the donations they receive. Um, so they're really struggling. They're getting hit from both sides. It's, it's really hard. We, every year in the past, we have had an anonymous donor who has um, doubled my donation. In 2000, I think it was 13 or 14 was our highest amount. And we actually provided 36,000 meals that year. Wow. Which wow. I was just, I was just thrilled about. I'm, I'm just sure. thrilled about. We are at, oh, I can't even remember the, the number we are at, but it's on my website. It's on the front page. You can read about stocking the pantry and the history of it going back every year. Um, I document how many meals we provided each year, how much, what, what my check was that I mailed in on New Year's Eve, and then um, how many meals that all accumulated to. So I'm very, very thrilled with it. And if anyone would be interested in joining me in this program, please contact me. I can tell you all about it. I can tell you the advantages you would have as well as what we do for people. And I think more than ever, we look to businesses like yours, um, small business, women-owned business, and then the philanthropic piece of it is really important to people. And that is a would put you heads above anybody else when I'm trying to decide where I'm gonna buy. Thank you. When people contact me asking about a quantity discount, um, I point out that I don't build enough margin in to allow for quantity discounts. Okay. The only margin that I build in is the donation to harvesters and that's just non-negotiable. I'm not going to give that up. Um, and, and when I explain the harvesters donation, they're all like, oh, Absolutely. Um, and I just explained that I, I, I don't think a dollar or two out of my pocket or out of their pocket will hurt us. But if we combine all of those together, what a difference we can make in, in other people's lives. And that's more important to me. Right. Let's switch gears a little bit here and let's talk about a few things we have in common. We both live on water. Yay. Okay. Now you live on a lake, correct? Yeah, it's wonderful. And we live on a river. You mentioned something that I didn't know that it's kind of a little 
quiet gem that people don't know about? Are you pretty sp you know, f spread out from your neighbors and how no, did you find not it? Not at all, not at all. We are tight. There are 400 and I think it's 41 homes um, around this little lake. The lake is 93 acres. Um, so the, we have one road that wraps around the lake and it is three and a half miles long. And, you know, most people have golf carts and we zip around to each other's homes and to the community building and to the park and everything um, on our golf carts. And um, it is just delightful. It is, we're, we're 12 minutes from the airport, which is just phenomenal. Um, because it's not a lot of water, for that many homes, like we have limited the size of the motors, so there's no wakes, but there's lots and lots, tons of pontoon boats, over 200 pontoon boats out here. There's four sailboats out on the water. Um, I don't even know how many hundreds of kayaks and paddle boards, but we have a wonderful time together. I think beyond the beauty of the water and the beauty of the nature and um, how, how peaceful it is, how, how lovely that piece of it is and to be able to just jump in the water anytime you want. Um, it also draws people together, we have found, at least in a lake where we're kind of all in a circle. Um, everybody is out in the water, on the docks and being in a circle, we're just this very tight community. It's, it's crazy how many people you get to know how quickly. And because we're, a we're our own city with Kansas City all around it, we are our own city, we have to, everybody has to jump in and do things. Um, most of the time there's an 80-20 relationship where 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Here, a good friend of mine pointed this out the other day. She really thinks it's the reverse here. 80% of the people do most of the work. I mean, everybody is contributing something and it's just amazing. It's just amazing. It's so much fun. We have a very similar situation. We're a very sleepy little village is what we are and we are our own village too and Keith uh -huh. Handy happens to be the mayor so <laughs> we, <laughs> we are and you know same thing golf cart zipping around um everybody knows everybody yes and it's it's idyllic to live in a um situation like this and to wake up and look out and see water every day it's raining today but um 99% of the time in the summer, even on a rainy day, it's still an enjoyable situation. It's, but it's just beautiful. Now in our village, we have McMansions and we have teeny tiny houses that used to be summer cottages and everything in between. We have old homes, we have new builds, we have a little bit of everything and every type of architecture. So let's talk about your house a little bit because it's unique for a, I think for a <laughs> and that's just my perspective. It is very unique. We call it our bungalow because from the roadside, which by our legal definition is the back of our house is the road. The front yeah, of the house same. is the water, but it, we, it's always backwards. So from the roadside, it looks like a little square box, like this little tiny thing. And mm -hmm. then you walk around and you see the back and it has these massive five big arches made out of brick um, that hold a balcony that wraps the south and the east sides and that overlook the brick patio. And the downstairs of the house, the entire downstairs is the same red brick 
that is the patio. So it's really your indoor outdoor living. Um, just it's 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 very unique. When we bought it, it was orange with turquoise awnings, and everybody knew our house as the Taco Bell house. Um, <laughs> the woman before us, who was delightful and an artist in every way, she saw it as a Santa Fe house. The mm -hmm. arches made her think of Santa Fe, and it made me think of Mediterranean. So we are taking it back to being what I call modern Mediterranean, but we call it our bungalow because it's it's a bungalow that actually grew into being a villa on the other side. Yeah, I, I've never seen the front of your house. I've only seen the back and it looks very majestic. And it does have that, Medi I think the Mediterranean tilt uh -huh. that you're looking for. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And you, you guys recently just redid a lot of that. We redid the, yes, yes. We redid the entire back patio and all because that brick patio, the original brick patio had this little scrawny iron, wrought iron fence around it. Um, and it's a huge, it wraps all the way around the house and this black iron fence went all the way around, but it has these massive brick columns and the foundation around the edge of the patio, um, because it's a raised patio, um, the foundation was needed, was crumbling and it needed repair. The inspector pointed that out when we bought the house four years ago. So to do that, we had to bump out a portion of the patio and so we had to put it all back together. I wanted to redo that fencing, make it taller for one, because it was less than safe um, this way. I mean, it hits you mid thigh. All of your, all of your body weight was above the railing. You were going to flip over it if you tried to lean against it at all. And we added short columns, brick columns, to mimic the large columns that hold up the balcony and to give it more weight so it looked like it belonged with the rest of the house. And we added on a crushed granite um, side patio, which to me, the, the gravelly patios are very Mediterranean. Um, they're very old European and that's what I wanted, that look. So we had the crushed granite side patio added on that we did ourselves on that. And um, we just love it, it's just stunning. Yeah, and on your blog, the before and afters are just truly amazing um, <laughs> difference between what it looked like with what you started and the end product are, are fabulous and really pretty you also just finished a big project inside oh that was a one room challenge a we hired challenge. a contractor to do before we moved in we had the bathrooms upstairs which is where the bedrooms the bedrooms and our offices are upstairs on the street level. Uh -huh. The family room and kitchen and a powder room are all downstairs off the patio. So we had the bedroom doors kind of relocated and the bathrooms and closets redone um, before we moved in. And then the downstairs, we had the kitchen completely gutted as well as that bathroom. We had them move the door and the toilet. I know that sounds crazy, but we needed to flip the location and created a little hallway out of a utility room so that the bathroom door wasn't right next to the dinner table <laughs> with the toilet right there, all that you saw. Right, so we put right. things around to make it a little bit more desirable. And then we actually did the decorating of it. We remodeled it um, as the one room challenge just a couple months ago. And we're just thrilled with how that turned out. 
Well, I mean, you did everything. You put we in a everything. whole cabinet, cabinetry, which is very unique and very cool. Um, new mirrors, new walls, you know, everything. Seemed like you did everything in there. We right? did everything. The only thing that we kept was the brick floor, of course, and the toilet that the contractor put in and the door that the contractor put in. And we did everything else had to go. And uh, so we finally we finally got that project to the top of the list and took care of that in, in so April. Now, because you live on water, do you marry the coastal into your house at all? Or is that kind of like that's outside? That's more outside. The downstairs is blue and white mainly. And that might be the reference to the water. I tried other colors. They didn't work. This house said, I want to be blue and white downstairs. And the upstairs, it wanted to be white. I haven't found anything else that has worked. I struggled with the colors in that powder room. Um, but it is, it's it's good, you know. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't have like fish decor hanging on the wall and things like that. But there is definitely a reference to Mediterranean and water. But I, I have avoided becoming too. Now, I did just make a lake sign for the for the patio bar. And, you know, I do some of those things, you know, and I made some Christmas, some buoys last year for a wreath that said, Mary and joy on them. And that's what I saw. And so I yeah. didn't know if that was incorporated into anything because you and I did a little 12 that's days. Right. Of Christmas. That's right. Our 12 days of Christmas. Yes. I, I, you get little glimpses here and there, but you don't know how it fits into the big picture all the time. Right. I'm, right. With, I'm with you. I'm blue and white um, all the way, <laughs> pretty much. And I'm looking at the bedroom color there and I have that color. Yeah, this one is kind of a grayish blue, but um, yeah, and I tried the whole coastal thing, and it just is a, it it just wasn't working for me. And even outside, we have a fireplace outside. Putting it on the mantle there, I I don't know. It's just not quite me. It's a little too folksy, I think. Yeah, I think that's what the problem is for me. It was it was too on the nose, mm -hmm. and I just want to reference it more. So I've added the cabana stripe awning over the tool shed. I turned the tool shed into a tool cabana. Um, some of those kinds of things. I've right. got some cabana stripe pillows, um, but I, I'm not going to put up a lot of. Movies. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna put up my umbrella stripe is navy and white, and my uh -huh. pillows and my swing are navy and white, and so I I'm carrying the the concept. And it definitely is much more beachy outside than inside. But yeah, I don't have any starfish hanging around or anything. Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah. I, I guess I have one whale up in the upstairs bed bathroom, but that's that's it. Yeah, yeah I think I, I do, I do <laughs> I have a sailboat picture in my downstairs bathroom. So that's yeah. my nod yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Um, do you have any more projects that you have planned since you've only been in the house four years, which I didn't realize. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we've got two big ones still left to go. One is um, the connection between the kitchen and the family room downstairs is like an extra wide hallway. It's not its own room. Uh -huh. And the south side is the sliding doors out to the patio. So that wall, what we have finally decided to do is that wall there 
is going to become a banquette wall so that the table, and we're gonna have a new dinner table made. So that will fit that space better than what we have now. And that will be our dining hall. I mean, it's our dining hall now, but I wanna try and make it feel more like a dining room. Right. right. And gain, gain a, a, some inches there and we'll have, and that wall will be really interesting. I'm, I'm putting some really neat things on that. Um, some neat stuff into that wall. It's gonna be very designed. So um, you'll have to wait and see that. And then upstairs, the fireplace is in all of the um, stocking photos. Right. Is, uh, it's just tired. <laughs> and the wall is very tired and we have no storage. We have no place to display our books and our fun memorabilia, um, the pieces of art that are important to us. We have, we have no spots for those. So I'm hoping to do built-ins around that fireplace. That won't happen before this year's Christmas. That'll be next spring. I am hoping to get the banquette done still. We'll see. Well, it'll be great to follow along with you on that. And I'm with you on that. That was one of the first things I did when I moved into this house was the fireplace and the walls with shelving next. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. my house is really tiny. I, so I use every square inch right. for storage. And um, I'm all about built-ins. Um, mm -hmm. I have, we still have boxes in our office and it's been four years. We still have boxes that we can't, we don't have any place to put any of this stuff. And so we want that wall to be all built in. Some of it will be covered down below, down low. Same. Yeah. 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 I needed some storage that people didn't really need to see. Right. And then they needed pretty display storage too. Yes. yes. Both of us have grown children all over the country. And coincidentally, we both have one in Dallas. We both have one in LA. And then our miscellaneous child, <laughs> the one in DC, and I have one in Chicago. But there's something that you do that kind of ties in the whole Christmas theme of this podcast that I find so interesting. And I've even talked to Keith about it. And we really want to try to incorporate this into our family tradition too. And that's your experience Christmas. Can you share about that? I just love it. We started gifting experiences. I think this will be our fifth year and no one will go back. No one will go back. Um, it was always, we always managed to get together over Christmas. If we can't get together at least once, if not twice through the rest of the year. Christmas is really important. We're together for four or five days but the pressure always fell on me to make sure everybody was entertained, everybody was doing something. Then everybody was scurrying and all worried about the gifts and how do they get the gifts here? And, and, and how do we buy gifts for grown kids who several of them can buy anything that they really want uh -huh. for themselves. And then they have to get it back on a plane. And it's just, it's just kind of difficult. It's just kind of a mess. I'm the only one who enjoys shopping and gifting. So everybody else is stressed out by it. And it's a lot of money that's being spent not really wanting to. And that defeats the whole purpose of the gift. Right. So I came up with the idea and everybody voted on it and said, yeah, let's try it for a year. I think there was some skepticism. Actually the first year, it didn't go as smoothly as that. I have to be totally transparent here. We talked about it. I thought we had agreed to it. And then I didn't say anything more about it until 
probably into October or November. And one of the kids got a little upset because that child had actually not procrastinated that one year and had already bought all the gifts <laughs> and was kind of upset about this. So we said, okay, we're putting it off. We're gonna put it off until next year. Mm -hmm. So the word of caution is if you guys decide this, decide early. And I think I should have posted this again, a reminder post to people before prime days, but maybe these prime days, people weren't Christmas shopping yet, we'll see. So we publish a family Google doc, a Google calendar page, and it goes live on a particular time. And then it's a mad scramble and everybody grabs their spot on that calendar for their event. And everybody has to plan, organize, pay for and execute a surprise experience for the family. And it is so much fun. And most of the time you're able to keep them surprises. If you need them to come prepared with something special to participate, they have to bring it with them. Um, so you have to let them know. And that kind of is always a kind of a big hint. Um, one year, let me see, our first event, my husband took us all to the symphony for um, a pop's Christmas concert that was amazing. And then let's see, um, on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, I took us all to an ice rink and we had a curling lesson <laughs> because I had always been curious about that during the Olympics. And I thought that would be something I, everybody I, would think was so it. fun. I loved and it. And I thought oldest, the same thing. Yeah, it was so fun. The oldest son had always wanted to do an escape room. So he took us on an escape room adventure, which none of us had ever done before. Our daughter and boyfriend at the time took us to the new Star Wars movie. We always have, this is a this is a family tradition going way back. But then they enhanced it by buying costumes for us. Oh, funny. <laughs> oh, funny. Did they make you wear them to the theater? Well, some of them were very simple. My husband had just the lightsaber. But like the new son was Han Solo in uh, Carbonite, you know, in in a in his frozen block, walking down this main street of downtown Kansas City in this in this costume, going into this going into the theater. It was so funny. And Katie was dressed up in full thing, and they had our youngest son, who's the actor in L.A. They had a Chewbacca suit for him, and he was chewy, and it was it was a riot. Um, that was that was a lot of fun. And um, the youngest son, who didn't have any money that year, oh. But he took us to um, um, an a, a arcade bar uh, because he was finally 21 and he was enjoying that. So he, he was able to take us to an arcade bar and he bought a big um, jug of beer. tokens. He got it. Yeah, he got us all a pitcher of beer and then he got us a, um, a big jar full of tokens that we shared and we played skee ball and Donkey Kong and all the old games. And it was a lot of fun. So it just depends. Well, and I love how they're not really, they're not, other than the symphony might have been, but they're not crazy expensive concepts either. So it's kind of doable it's for very everybody. Doable. It's now, very my one question is, do they all come to you or is sometimes it in a different location? Last year, we went to LA for the first time with the youngest son was now located. Mm -hmm. So we came out to him at his request. We all flew out there. And um, so that was a little bit of a challenge because 
we, he was the only one that was really familiar enough with LA. Mm -hmm. So he gave us some, you know, he posted a map for us and showed us where he lived and we knew his address. So we, when we were thinking about places, we could put it in and find out what driving time that was from where he was because LA could spread forever. And we had to do a little research, but like my husband and I, we, we went on the, we did it together because ours was very expensive and we did Universal City Studios for the day. Um, uh -huh. So that was, you know, we couldn't go to LA and not do that, you right. know. And the youngest son knew about this. There was a, a place called Melrose Theater and it's an outdoor theater on a rooftop of a building looking out overlooking the Hollywood Hills. So we went out there and you, you recline on these beanbag chairs and you have a little QR code next to you where you can order drinks and food and oh, things fun. like that. And they bring it to you in your thing and everybody has headphones. And so the, the um, movie is piped into you on these headphones and it was the coolest thing. It was under the stars on the rooftop overlooking the Hollywood Hills and it was Elf, you know? So yeah, we watched Elf fun. up on the rooftop. I mean, it was very, it was very cool and very fun. Yeah. So we, we, we made that do. And then during the pandemic, the year that we couldn't be together, that took a lot of creativity. That was the year, our, our son in Dallas, it's a, it's a nine hour drive for him, but he just got in the car and drove up and said, forget it. He had quarantined for something else. That, uh -huh. uh, he, he was already quarantined. So he drove up here and spent Christmas with us. And the youngest son was still living with us at that time because he had just graduated from college and hadn't gone to LA yet. Uh -huh. And so the two in DC were stuck there. So we just did things online. We, we had Zoom going almost the whole weekend and we hooked it up so that our TV in the family room, they could see us and we moved the table so it looked like kind of an extension. So I had us making gingerbread villages one, one day and I sent a whole box of supplies to them and they opened it. And so we kind of lined up our houses so that it all looked like one village. And we watched a movie together. And um, so my husband had bought us all matching pajamas and we had shipped the two out there for Katie and John. And then we um, wore ours here. Oh, and I had, and shipped Topsy's popcorn, big can of popcorn out to them. And so we, we rented a movie that we all could watch on the two screens. Um, you know, so we did things like that, that we could do. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, when we couldn't gather with my family for COVID, I felt even more connected because usually I'm with my brother, my one brother who lives closest to me and our kids are all together was our typical, is a typical Christmas Eve for us. And this way we were all, my sister was on, my other brother was on. It was, it was kind of neat. But our kids are all getting older now. And like you, they're all around the country. And so this whole experience concept is so appealing to me. Um, you know, Tommy and Annie just bought a house. They don't need to spend a bunch of money on gifts. Emma's a struggling little apartment dweller now. Yes, yes. But she um, can come up with something unique that doesn't take a lot of money, but maybe it takes a little bit more energy on her part right. to come up with it or to make it happen. And it takes so much pressure off of you to keep everybody entertained. And we really, we, we call it, you know, gifting memories. Uh, you know, we have such great memories from every one of these. Yeah. It's and I, I'm with you with the gifts. I struggle and I don't like to shop. I hate it. 
-hmm. And I, I did the, I've been doing for the last, I don't know how many years, something to, something you want, something you need, something to Read. need and something, you you know, that whatever that is, they get four gifts from us. But even that, it's like pulling teeth sometimes to get them to give me an idea. And they buy what they want, they buy for themselves. So and how much fun is it to give them something that they tell us exactly? Now, it's this model. This is the model number of the one I want. Right. It's like, it's, it's not, it's not a surprise. It's not fun. I haven't put any thought and real passion into it. I would much rather do this. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's so much fun. It's definitely something that, and I, and you're right. I need to plant the seed right now, so everybody's thinking about it, and we all are on the same page. Mm -hmm. And and you just talk it over and say wherever we gather, this is this is what we're going to do. This is a trial year. Just try it for a year. And I promise that you will never, ever go back. Yeah. We yeah. look so yeah. forward to coming together because they also know that these four or five days together are going to be jam-packed with fun activities that we look that forward to. And that they don't even know what they are. They don't know what they are. That's their surprises. Yeah. yeah. You know? I, I, like, oh, my gosh. I love it. I just love it. So anyway, with, when we wrap up a podcast at Living Large, um, I always ask a couple questions. And my first one is, what is something that most people don't know about you? Oh, I should have been prepared. Um, I see these down at the bottom. <laughs> um, it, what's funny, um, is those of us who are friends, it's like we're open books, I think, a lot. Yeah. What they don't know about me. Okay, I, I'm, I am admittedly very weird. I prefer vegetables over fruit, absolutely in a heartbeat. I would take a jelly bean over a piece of chocolate every single day. Um, between salt and, uh, I don't know. I'm a pearl lover girl. I'm, I'm into pearls, you know. I have, I have a couple, I have a special diamond and the rest are pearls for me. So. Um, I'm with you on the on the veggies and with you on the um, so, like a sour thing over chocolate. I don't really like chocolate at all. Oh wow! I've never known. And I absolutely love my pearls, but all three of my necklaces I have three need to be restrung. So. Um. <laughs> and um, let's see, the other one just popped in my head that I always use. Let's see. Um, oh, tea over coffee. I'm not a coffee oh, drinker. Now that's where we part ways. I'm, yeah. And and I, but oh, something people wouldn't know about me is I never drank a cup of coffee in my life till I was probably 30 years old. Mm. What is your favorite book? Do you have one? Are you a reader? Well, right now I am reading Achilles song that, oh, I wish somebody would fill me in on this. What do I call this new friend of mine, Linda, who is my new son's mother? Uh -huh. She's not my in-law, um, but we, we share common children, <laughs> I, I guess is the best way of saying her, her son is married to my daughter. So she left that they were here for 4th of July, along with all the kids. And uh, so she left me this book to read and I am enjoying that right now. Yes. Yeah, um, and I will link that in the show notes as well. And 
And then share with us, um, because we're, our common theme also is blogging. What is your goal for your blog this year? I, I have big goals this year. So I have big goals. Yes. Growing my mailing list um, and, and really doing a better job with my emails, um, giving people what they really want to hear and know, um, trying to hone down on what my blog is all about in that it's it's a it's a big concept and so it's kind of hard to really down but i am all about creative thinking creative problem solving and i think that blogging is one big huge puzzle that, it is oh boy and, it is and the thing is every single day it's the new sudoku puzzle that we have to do because it's different every single day and have to just keep growing and changing with it as we go along and yes there are times that we swear don't we <laughs> <laughs> and, and even a few tears have been shed from yes, time yes. Time. oh then my you god come back to it. then you come back to it and you figure it out and it feels so good well, and I think that we have a very unique situation in that we do have a support group that we all really appreciate each other. And, you know, where one person doesn't know something and thinks they're doing it. We, we had a situation this morning with one of our blog posts and mm -hmm. you asked me about it and I thought I knew the answer and I was totally wrong. So we learn something from each other every day, which every is day. what I really, really every love day. about. And I love this. I love this. This yeah. is where if any of you are bloggers and are thinking about going to Haven, but haven't done it yet, please do. Because this was yeah. the, um, the best to come out of Haven was this group that we put together. Right. And that's why I'm looking forward to this year. I have to say my number one priority is one, seeing all you guys again in person and being able to give you a hug and then meeting other people and right. continuing that um, circle that we, because we work at home, we work by ourselves. You're, our, you're my coworker, you're my person, so. That's right, that's right. It's all about relationships every business is. I mean, that's where my business started 34 years ago was based on this relationship with this one woman right. who got me off the ground and flying. And, you know, if we can just continue to build these relationships and just pull everybody up around us, it's, it's so great. And it's not competitive. Um, sure, there are some competitive spirits in there. But um, as a whole, we're, we're, we're all rising together. Right, right. Yeah, I think we, we, we know our limitations and we appreciate each other for that help and that guidance that we give each other as it is. So thank you so much for being on my little podcast. It's really a pleasure. I appreciate that, it. Well, thank you for being here and I can't wait to see you next week. Yay! Thanks for listening to another episode of the Living Large Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite platform so you'll be reminded when there's a new episode. Your positive likes and ratings and reviews are always appreciated as they will help this podcast to grow. You can find all the ways to follow Living Large in a Small House in the show notes. Thank you.